0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Medisodes. E-health is a very contemporary topic in healthcare, but a clear, concise definition of e-health is yet to be coined. This term is relatively new, and was barely in use before 1999, with the rapid increase in popularity of electronics, the internet, and technology, due to its potential to make menial tasks easier. The term e-health now seems to serve as a general buzzword used to characterise not only the involvement of the internet in medicine, but virtually everything computer-related in medicine. Indeed, this is a term not dissimilar to those such as e-commerce, email, e-solutions, and are all terms that have added e to the front, to represent the shift to electronic versions of the original nouns. We must note that e-health is just one of the many terms that are used when describing the same thing, with digital medicine being another common term, Throughout this episode, we'll be using e-health and digital medicine interchangeably. Intel referred to e-health as a concerted effort undertaken by leaders in healthcare and high-tech industries to fully harness the benefits available through the convergence of the internet and technology, which, in simpler terms, refers to maximising the use of technology in healthcare. The internet plays a large part in e-health but it is not all that digital healthcare consists of. The use of robotic limbs in surgery may also be considered under the broad umbrella of e-health, yet there is no necessity for the internet in such an application. It is also quite clear that e-health encompasses much more than mere technological development in medicine, and its dynamic, ever-changing nature means that it is impossible now to pin down a certain specific definition. In a broader sense, the term characterizes not only technological development, but also a state of mind, a way of thinking, an attitude, and a commitment for networked, global thinking to improve health using information and communications technology. The most common interpretation of the E in front of eHealth is that it stands for electronic. However, though this was the original intention, there are many other E-words encompassed by the term e-health and 10 of these in particular are notable to describing the nature of e-health. Firstly, Efficiency. Efficiency is promised through the advent of e-health, reducing costs and saving time. Next, Enhancing the quality of care. e-health allows for greater access to resources and further allows for improvements to the quality of care. Evidence is also a key concept within e-health. All new e-health interventions should be evidence-based, such that their effectiveness should not be assumed, but should be proven through traditional methods of scientific evaluation. Empowerment is another E that forms a crucial part of e-health. It makes information more readily available to consumers and patients, which opens up new avenues for patient-centered care and personal choice. Autonomy is a key medical ethic, and e-health empowers this. Linked to this is the education of physicians and consumers. Both of these people can benefit from the vast amounts of information they have readily available, notably through the internet. The next E-word is extension, for e-health involves extension of the healthcare system beyond its traditional boundaries, whether that be geographical, research or conceptually. E-health must prioritize ethics and equity too, and must not be beyond our traditional tried and true values of medical practice, including the five principles of medical ethics and the NHS constitutional values which continue to be found throughout medical practice today, despite the advent of eHealth. There are a range of different terms that have been coined to describe specifics within the umbrella of eHealth, but being relatively new, they are neither common nor confirmed as official terms, though they may be adopted in the future. Electronic health records enable the communication of patient data between different healthcare professionals and refers to an interconnected data storage between healthcare branches. E-prescribing refers to the use of technology in prescriptions, including printing or the doctor sending the prescription directly to the pharmacy. This means it's one less thing for the patient to remember to bring with them when they go to the pharmacy. Telemedicine refers to physical and psychological diagnosis and treatments at a distance, for example from a different country, and remains a concept of the future rather than a currently in operation technology. However, Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, many medical practices have had to shift to online versions, and with general practice being notably at the front. General practice is less specialist, requires less specialist equipment, and is very non-invasive, and often involves just a conversation to start off with. And this means that general practice has been able to continue online throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. And this is an example of the benefits of e-health. E-Health encompasses far, far more than computers that you see at your local hospital. It now plays a fundamental role in the management, running and maintenance and operation of the NHS. And without technology, the NHS would not be able to maintain patients in the same capacity and quality of treatment as it does today. To elaborate and expand on how e-Health is being implemented in the NHS today, I will hand over to Surya.
1: Looking at the implementation of eHealth in the NHS, let us turn back the clock to 2002 where the National Programme for IT, known as NPFIT, was initiated in England. This programme was delivered by an organisation called Connecting for Health. The programme consisted of dividing England into five clusters. Companies then bid for central contracts which were worth millions of pounds. These companies were then known as local service providers. This program's ultimate goal was to use technology to create an integrated health record for the NHS which would be nationwide known as the electronic health record. The National Health Programme for IT claimed to implement the use of PACS which was a technology to help store patient images and reports. This was left to the local service providers and no standards were set, however by 2007, despite the lack of standardization, PACs were successfully implemented across England. However, due to local service providers being the middleman between PAC suppliers and healthcare implementation, the costs were relatively high. PACs would help in the creation of a central data store known as CDS, which would act as a central data store so that all patient examinations, records, and images could be accessed by doctors from any hospital. However, the lack of connectivity between patient records and hospitals meant that the program's idea of creating a patient-centric integrated healthcare system failed. One of the reasons for the failure of the National Programme for IT was due to the lack of a unique identifier such as the NHS number. The control of PAGs being in the hands of local service providers also created issues. Doctors in one hospital today still do not know all the tests, scans and images that have been performed on the patient in another hospital. Therefore, a new system for the sharing of patient data between healthcare services was suggested, one that does not put the control on one party such as local service providers. However, the most recent way of creating a patient-centric integrated healthcare system is the vendor-neutral archiving. This technology stores medical images in a standard format, and interface, making them accessible to healthcare professionals, regardless of what proprietary system created the images in the first place. Vendor-neutral archiving, or VNA, enables healthcare organizations to standardize patient images and data from different types of packs, making them more accessible. The development of this system shows how eHealth can help doctors from different hospitals to review and share data about the same patient in an easy way. This helps to make the continuity of care of a patient as smooth as possible, improving the commitment to quality of care, which is a major constitutional value that the NHS holds. Looking at the future of the NHS and eHealth, giving patients more control of their health can help us to make full use of the technology. For example, the use of Fitbits to constantly collect data about heart rates and other vitals after they have been discharged from healthcare services can help to improve continuity of care. This data can be stored in the integrated systems so that all the healthcare services involved in the care of the patient can monitor the status of the patient even after they have been discharged. In the future, patients may be able to use more advanced technology to carry out urine tests, blood pressure checks, blood glucose tests, and general blood tests from home. Although this is already a possibility, the system could be made more valuable by connecting the devices to the patient-centric integrated healthcare system so that healthcare services can collect patient data without the need for regular checkup sessions. Now that we have looked at how the NHS has implemented e-health and the potential to do so in the future, let us move on to Shrey, who will be discussing the benefits of e-health.
2: So there are many exciting opportunities that e-health can provide, and also many benefits. The main two being increased efficiency and increased patient empowerment. It's important that patients and doctors are able to contact each other, even if they cannot meet face-to-face. A useful technology within this has been telehealth, which uses video calls and telephone calls instead of face-to-face appointments. It allows doctors to talk to patients and saves time, money and travel, as well as making sure that patients are safe during the COVID pandemic. In rural areas, it also allows doctors to reach remote communities that may not have access to full healthcare facilities. E-health also allows healthcare professionals to have constant monitoring of patients and have a proactive approach to taking care of them. For example, for those people with type 1 or type 2 diabetes, there's constant glucose monitoring, otherwise in a CGM, which helps to detect hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia. And using your smartphone, you can track your sugar levels throughout the day. And also your doctor can also look at this to see how well you're managing your diabetes. There's also wearable technologies such as Fitbits and Apple Watches and other fitness trackers. And this gives people insight into their healthcare and allows patients to make more informed decisions. It might also encourage people to lead more health lifestyles. For example, if you get a Fitbit for Christmas, uh, you might want to reach your 10,000 step count every day, while before you might have just wanted to sit on the sofa, watch TV instead. Another important aspect of e-health, which has been touched upon, is e-health records. And that means that every doctor you meet can access it and this is very important if you're going to different centers for example um if you have to see the gp and then you have to you're referred to a center for an mri and then a different center for other tests you they need to know what tests have been done already and what those results were in order to interpret what they've examined further There's also the use of big data. While this is very scary for many people, big data is very useful to detect risk factors, potential side effects of medicine, and optimise treatments for patients. Likewise, the use of artificial intelligence, which is becoming more and more common within medicine, is very important, although it does need to be regulated. Artificial intelligence can catch mistakes that doctors might make due to human error reducing the chance of you missing a cancer or a certain healthcare problem from before if it's in its early stages there's also the use of blockchain which uses uh which stores data as your patient data as bl- digital blocks and this should make patient data more secure which is one of the key fears people have there's also the use of 4D and 3D printing If you're not sure what 4D printing is, it's the use of materials that can adapt to their surrounding based on stimuli so that they can change over time. For example, as a baby grows, their implant can change with them and grow in size. There's also in everyday life chatbots. So you may have seen these on various websites and the WHO has actually set up one on its website to ask so that people can ask COVID questions and this allows for direct patient doctor-patient communication. Furthermore, eHealth can be used in education with virtual lectures which helps with patient empowerment so that patients know what treatment options are available and which one is best for them. There's also the use of robotics and surgery which can be more accurate than a traditional surgeon itself and can also give different opportunities uh, than people can there's also the use of e-health in the covid pandemic for example the test and trace app although in practice it didn't work as well as it should in theory apps like this should help to reduce the spread of covid and pandemics recently nhs was also opened up uh, recently the nhs has also launched an app which help which will allow you so access your patient records, your prescriptions and also able to contact your GP directly rather than having to go to the surgery. So as we've seen, e-Health has many benefits, both from a cost, time and health perspective. But it's not all rosy. Now on to AnaPAm, who's going to be talking about the drawbacks of e-Health.
3: Now, as we've just talked about, e-Health does have a number of advantages. However, there are also many disadvantages to the whole concept of e-health. These can include concerns regarding treatment credibility, user privacy, confidentiality, and many more. For example, mental health services have become increasingly popular, especially during the pandemic. We have not only seen a rise in the cases of mental health emergencies, but also a need for online services. However, Online security involves the implementation of safeguards, especially when it comes to sensitive topics such as mental health. And this has called into question the security of these mental health services that are offered online. E-mental health implementation, especially in clinical practice and healthcare systems, often is limited and very fragmented. Some services which are offered in some areas may not be offered in others equally. Furthermore, in terms of e-health, HIPAA violations or the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act in the US have much more common violations rather than in-person physical health treatment. These violations can cost anywhere from $100 to $1.5 million when they're reported and detected. An employee doesn't need to lose a computer or access a patient file. With eHealth, this opens up the risk of so many more violations since these servers and security isn't properly monitored. Furthermore, hackers don't always need to access patient files directly through a terminal with eHealth or by going to a hospital where they're stored. Ransomware attacks initiated through malware and other security access problems on the eHealth record servers can cost numerous hospitals thousands of dollars per incident. The software will encrypt the electronic health record, making it inaccessible until a ransom is paid to restore the data. However, even if the ransom is paid, there's no guarantee that the files weren't copied and distributed to other people, breaking patient confidentiality. One of the largest agencies struck by the WannaCry ransomware attack in 2017 were the NHS hospitals in England and Scotland and up to 70,000 devices, this including computers, MRI scanners blood storage refrigerators, and operating theatre equipment, all affected. By on the 12th of May that year, some NHS services had to straight up turn away non-critical emergencies, and some ambulances had to be diverted to private hospitals. Even after the attack, in 2018, a report by Members of Parliament concluded that all 200 NHS hospitals checked in the wake of the attack still failed their cybersecurity checks. It does bear to mention, however, that hospitals in Wales and Northern Ireland were unaffected. E-Health also faces the problem of any software in that it needs to be updated on a regular basis. Not every software creator does this for their software, and in situations where things don't get updated, it can leave them exposed to hacks, like mentioned previously. A lot of the servers and computers that were attacked in the 2017 attacks were ones that weren't using the latest update of Windows. These electronic health systems are also not very cheap. Medical facilities need to invest a considerable amount, often measured in the millions of dollars, to set up, maintain and train people on these EHRs. System updates also have further costs to them, and many facilities need to hire entire IT professionals or departments, or at the very least outsource their tech needs to keep the system running as effectively as possible. This is worse in developing countries. E-health in general, and telemedicine in particular, is a vital resource in remote regions, but is often difficult to establish because of the lack of communications infrastructure. For example, in Benin, hospitals often could become inaccessible due to flooding during the rainy season. And across Africa, the low population density has meant that the majority of the African people are badly damaged in medical care. In these situations, e-health could offer an alternative, but there is no access because there's no internet access in these villages, or even a reliable electricity supply. Internet connectivity can be brought to these regions using satellite broadband technology, and this is often the only solution where terrestrial access may be limited. However, again, the countries where this is most needed are the ones least capable to provide it. Knowledge of the socioeconomic performance of e-health is quite limited, and findings from evaluations are often challenging to transfer to other settings. Other evaluations have tried to quantify the success of e-health, but have also struggled in their scope. Overall, e-health does have great potential for helping the medical industry, but in most cases, the poorly defined and lack of proper aims around e-health often means it ends up as fragmented and lacks coordination on a wider scope, and faces the issues of accessibility, practicality, and security that it's aiming to solve especially when deployed in real-world situations.
0: Thank you. Now that we've discussed e-health, the positives, the negatives, and how it's implemented in our NHS and indeed throughout the world, we can consider the fact that it is not all good and that technology does have its disadvantages, but people do tend to gloss over these, and if the disadvantages are neglected too much, then we have problems with technology, such as the cyber attack that Anupam mentioned. I hope that you have a better understanding of e-health after listening to this episode, and be sure to tune into next week's episode for more contemporary medical information. Thank you, and be sure to subscribe, comment down below, and like this video.